Good morning. How are you doing? I'm Trevor Oaks. I'm the student and teaching pastor here, and uh, I just wanted to uh, let you know we are getting ready to go to a summer conference for our high school up in Holland, Michigan at Hope College. And if you would like to pray for somebody who's going on that trip at the next step space, you can pick one of these little key tags. On the key tag, we'll have a name of somebody who's going on that trip. And so throughout the whole week, you can be praying for us and with us. And even if you don't grab one of these, we'll still let you pray for us. So that, that would be... That would be awesome if you would do that. We're going to dive right into a new series that we're, we're kicking off uh, this morning. And I just wonder, did anybody play with Play-Doh as a kid? I mean, I was big, right? Did anybody eat Play-Doh? Don't admit that. Don't, don't admit that. But, I, you know, I love art. I like to draw and watercolor and paint and sketch and do all kinds of art except sculpting. I could, never I could never stand, like, somebody give you clay and my art teacher would call it a lump of potential and I would sit and stare at that thing like, I have no creative energy for what to do with that. And so I'd take it and I'd make little like coiled up snakes, turn it into a pot every time. Like every time somebody would get either like Play-Doh, it didn't matter, you know, I would just take it and I would make it into these little snake-like things, make the coiled pot, I'd give it to my mom, my mom would be like, this is amazing, this is so better than the last coiled pot that you gave me, and mom, it's not, I know, it's not good, but I had no creative energy for a lump of clay, and many people would say, you know, that's a lot like my life, when it comes to spiritual formation, I know I should be doing something. I know that, you know, I come in here, I get challenged, I get encouraged, I, I, I get excited, but then I just stare at this like little piece of my heart and I, I don't know how to form it. I don't know what to do to, to grow or stare. And, and we stare at the empty spaces of our heart and sometimes we just kind of throw up our hands. Like, you know, I read my Bible and we kind of roll the snake, you know, I just making my pot. And I, I, I pray three times a day. Sometimes I pray for snacks, you know, and, and we kind of, we roll, we roll the snake because I know I'm supposed to pray. And, and we're like, you know, I serve in the church. Sometimes, I kind of I sometimes serve and we smash the pot because it's just like, I don't know. I just, I throw up my hands. And uh, how do I get from fruitless branches to rich harvests? How do I, I've seen people who are spiritually mature. How do I conquer these habits that I know aren't leading me anywhere? They're not taking me a direction that I want to go. And how do I grow? Well, we're beginning this uh, new series, You Are Here. And, and our hope is that all through the month of July, the, these five weeks, we can give you five disciplines That'll help you kind of grow in your faith. That will help you take some steps towards maturity. That will help if you will be consistent. If, if you'll dive into some of these areas, it might take you somewhere. And so that's, that's our hope. Throughout this series, we'll call the idea of molding our hearts to be more and more like Christ, of forming ourselves after the example of Christ. We'll call that spiritual formation. Also, throughout this whole thing, and you heard in the announcements that we're doing another 30-day journey. And so if you've done, in the past, we've done 30 days of prayer, and we have all these uh, available to you if you still want to do them. We have 30 names of Jesus, and for this series, we've created 30 days of spiritual formation. So today's July 1st. So you could hop on today. You can go to this website. You can find uh, the tools there for you to go through each day, or... If you're like me and you might be a procrastinator, lucky for you, there's 31 days in July. You can start 
tomorrow, all right? And you can be on pace, you're good. But it, the 30 days of spiritual formation covers things like fasting and worship, uh, the definition of the different kind of fruits of the Spirit to the application of how those can be lived out in our life. And so it'll be a little simple uh, thought followed by a verse that you can do. It, it's pretty uh, simplistic. And so each day you can come back to that website to do the 30-day uh, challenge. Now, what we want to tell you is this is not 30 days to spiritual maturity. It's not, this is a quick fix to all your spiritual struggles. We are not guaranteeing that if you do this 30 days, at the end, boom, fruit on your tree. It's amazing. That's not true. But if you'll consistently come back and do this 30 days, you can find steps to molding your heart to shaping your life, to kind of look more and more like Christ. And if nothing else, you'll have time carved out in your day to be consistent, to consistently look at what God wants to do in and through your life. And because consistency, we all know this, consistency is key to, to growth. And a lot of times you might come in here and you think, you know, that was a good sermon. That was, and you go out in the lobby and you tell Daniel, man, that was a great job. That was really good. I, I needed to hear that encouragement. I needed to be challenged in that way. And, and here's what happens. You can walk out into the parking lot. You can get into the car and a week, three weeks later, whatever it is, you've forgotten that application. You've forgotten that challenge. Or maybe you didn't utilize it to its fullest potential. And it may not be your fault, right? I mean, we're all busy. I consistently hear all, uh, constantly that, man, I'm busy. I'm, so, I'm going this way. I'm doing that. There's a lot of things at work. And we are a busy people. But the reason that we are doing this series is so that you can find some disciplines to hang your hat upon. Some ways that if you will actually carve out some time in your busy life and, and, and focus in on some of these disciplines that maybe you haven't tried before, they might actually give you some fruit on your tree. And, and they're helpful for when uh, you find yourself in, in the mess of life, right? In the storm of life. And maybe you're going through a storm right now. I don't know your current situation, but I truly believe that these spiritual disciplines can help pull us out of the storm, can give us safety and security, can give us hope for tomorrow. And that's the whole hope uh, for this five spiritual disciplines that we'll be going on. Because here's what I know. No athlete stepped onto the court, no matter how talented they are, and they're just like, boom, have all the skills needed to do whatever they're doing. You know, it typically starts with a passion for the sports. Like, man, I hope, I hope one day I could be good enough to play at the highest level. And then they practice, and they hone their skill. They find two. They lift weights. They do whatever's possible. They look at whoever I'm going to be playing against, and they practice, and they practice, and they, it's the same with our lives. And you may begin with a dream of, one day, you know, down the road, I hope my life looks like this. I hope my family kind of shapes up like this. I hope I can guide and direct. I hope to be a, a good dad or a good uh, employee or whatever it is. I want this kind of in my life. And, and it starts with a dream, but then it takes some practice. It takes some discipline to, to hone in on what God wants you to do. And the best time to discipline your life, to form habits and gain some spiritual wisdom, are before life hits the fan. Before life kind of blows up in your face is, is to kind of sit down and think, here's where I want to go. How, how can I get there? And if, if you uh, wait, you'll, you'll constantly feel like you're lost. If you put it off for tomorrow and if you say, you know, one day I'm going to do that, then you'll constantly feel distracted. So here's, here's the deal. 
we're doing this sermon series. You are here. You're somewhere along the journey. If you've been a follower for any length of time, whether a spiritually mature or whether you are a new convert, you're, you're here. You're somewhere on the journey. And, and oftentimes what happens is it's not like you can just hear one sermon and suddenly you're just like, oh, I've got it. I can cross church off the list. That event is complete. Uh, church isn't an event that we complete, but rather a process of forming our lives. We can't hear a sermon thing like, you know, this is Jesus. I, I look like that, kind of. Oftentimes what we have to do is get rid of harmful, untrue ideas that we've formed about the church or about God, and we have to get around these ideas that we've created, and we've put God, this is who God is, and I could never achieve looking like that, so I just won't even try. We have to get past those ideas and exchange them for true, right, helpful ideas about Jesus and what he wants for our lives, but we don't ever necessarily arrive. You don't ever alive. We are constantly working the clay, molding the shape, fine-tuning our hearts, aligning our, our desire to be more in tune, more in line with God and what he wants for us on a regular, consistent basis. And clearly, when you are more consistent with these disciplines, you'll see more fruit for a longer harvesting season. You'll be more and more at peace in your life, but it takes consistent, heartfelt, desire-filled, daily putting in the time and effort takes practice. And like any relationship, it takes going through some stuff, right? It takes good stuff and bad stuff, hard, hard things and challenging things. And the more that we go through it, the more that we learn that we can lean in and trust God. We can trust who he is and who he says he is. And when you do, you'll see results. You'll see and reap a harvest. But currently, we are here so today we want to discuss the benefits of having a daily devotion time, of studying truth and meditating on God's word. And I know when, when any student in summer hears the word study, it's like they go into a coma of some kind. They're just like, I will not study during summer. And so for your benefit, we will, we will say that it's meditate. But whatever you call it, whether you call it devotions or worship, or the idea is to look long and intently into God's word, his truth for your life. It's about quality, not quantity. You know, a lot of times we look at something, we're like, I'm going to just, I'm going to breeze through, and I'm going to read chapter after chapter, and I'm so, I've read all of this. And it's not, it's about quality, not quantity. It's about focusing in on what does this truth say? How do I apply it uh, to find the depth, the magnitude, and how it applies to you and your situation in life where you are right now? With the resources that you have at disposal, with the kids that you have in your family, God's truth, his word can apply to you where you are right now. Now, as we get into scripture today, here, here's what I want you to know. We're going to talk about God's word, but I'm, I'm not going to approach it from the validity of God's word. You should know that we believe wholeheartedly that God's word is true, that it's uh, accurate, it's powerful, it's timeless, and it is our roadmap to the ultimate authority in our life. So it's trustworthy and true. And the verses that I believe really help outline this for us are found in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. And that's where we'll kind of be for the, the duration of the morning. So, and here's what we would love for you to know. On, on a series like this, uh, if you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one. 
If you want a physical copy, we would love to give you a, a Bible. So go to the Next Step space, and, and we can give you one of those. Um, 2 Timothy 3.14 says this, But you must remain faithful. And that word faithful can be substituted with what we've already mentioned numerous times today. It can say, but you must remain consistent. And faithful can also follow the definition that I've given often that faith is believing God is who he says he is. Or in this instance, you could say that God's word is what it says it is. It's true. It's trustworthy. It's accurate and applicable for you. So remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. You know they are true for you know that you can trust those who, who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Now, here's the portion uh, where we're going to rest everything on today. So, uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God, is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So all scripture is useful. That means the Old Testament is useful too. I mean, it's good stuff. And, and I don't know if you've ever read through the whole Bible, through all, all of it, but I'm currently doing that, and I will complete reading it uh, August 10th. And I've just had a, a blast with going over some of the old stories in the Bible that I either forgot or have neglected and, and, and finding those truths and then seeing how they align with the New Testament and what God does. And my reading plan kind of does a, an Old Testament passage, a New Testament uh, chapters, and then some, uh, a psalm and, and Proverbs. And so I get this kind of whole, whole gamut. And, and I recommend it strongly. So all scripture is useful. And here is what 2 Timothy is trying to teach us. Here's where we go, all right? Scripture teaches us what is true. And that's helpful because there are a lot of teachings out there that are false. It's like, here's how to get rich quick. You know, here's how to get thin quick. Here is three steps to being toned. And, and that isn't true. Those are just false things because we know anything that's valuable, it takes work, it takes effort, it takes discipline to be able to achieve and enjoy. And I'm also, I don't know if you are, but I'm directionally challenged. And, and so I hate to be lost. I don't like that. But what I found is that GPS, the, the tools that we have are, are trustworthy. Most of the time, I end where it tells me I should go. And so uh, the Bible is kind of like that. You, you can plot a course. You can trust it. It's dependable. It can show you the direction that you should go. It is true and valuable for us. So the, the Word of God teaches us what is true. And Scripture also allows us to realize what is wrong. So again, if you think of a GPS map, when I'm off track, all right, when I think, you know, I think I'll turn left here. I, the, the blue line is kind of going this way, which I never do. I never veer off of the blue line, regardless of what I think. But it, it can let you know, uh, no, that was the wrong turn. That is the wrong direction. You are currently not headed anywhere near where you want to go. And the same is true for your life. You can read God's word. It's true. And as you comply it, it can help you realize what is wrong that you've currently been doing in your life. And so it's valuable for that. Scripture corrects us when we are wrong. And much like GPS, again, that helpful lady will whisper into my ear, listen, I'm just going to reroute you. 
because you're wrong. And uh, scripture can do the same thing. So I'm reading God's word and I've thought, you know, all my life I've been doing this thing. This hobby, this habit, this job, I've been uh, treating my spouse this way, I've been talking to my kids like, but I realize that I'm wrong, and Scripture can correct us, and in another way, it can teach us what is right. And so you don't have to struggle to find the five best practices on how to do whatever. The Bible can tell you the right, proper strategies. You don't have to go searching in a lot of different areas to find what is true. God's Word is trustworthy, true. It helps us to know what is wrong, and it teaches us what is right. You can lean your life upon what the Bible says is true, and it will teach you to do, live, act out what is right. So God uses his word to prepare us and equip us to do every good work, all right? Ephesians 2.10 says this, we are God's handiwork. Another translation says that we are his masterpiece. We are God's greatest, finest creation. And we were created just like Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So God created us, molded us. He sculpted us to do good things which glorify him, that point to him for what is true and right, things that bring honor to him because they're not normal nor easy. So when you look into God's word, when you discipline yourself and you start to realize that that's not normal. You know, people at my work, they operate this way. And if I do this, I am going to stand out. And that's by God's design. As you follow his plan, you start to look more like him. You start to stand out. And in turn, you glorify God in the midst of your obedience. So how do I know what he wants me to do? How do I know what God's hope is for my life? How can I determine what's best? And understanding God, again, is a lot like GPS. So if you say, I want to go here in my life. I want to take my family in the car on a a trip. I want to go here. This is the direction I want to go. God's word can help give you the points that you need to follow that route. Punch in the destination, and all along the way, God can give you a destination. But currently, you are here, right? We're all somewhere along the journey. And, and if you're seated, seated in this room, then the, the hope is, is that you at least have a desire to figure out who this God is, who Christ is, and how to worship Him. And, and you are here. But I want to be there. So how do I get to there? And if you live in the area... If you're from around here, my guess is you don't likely use GPS. You know that if I want to go over there, I can take four, five, ten different ways to get to that same point. And, and the same is true of God and his hope for your life. God gives us several overarching principles that are true. They're, they're just true. They may not have your name tagged to it like this is specific for you and your situation, but they're overarching true principles that you can take any avenue, lots of different avenues, and stay under the umbrella of truth. But when you turn wrong, you will realize, you will notice that it pulls you further away from God's hope, his desire for your life, and God's word can help guide you to what is true, what's right, what's best. And with God, it's similar. There are some overarching principles that are are true that lead us to where we want to go. And if you don't know where you're going, studying the word will help give you the direction that you should go. So if you, I, I don't have a destination. I don't even know what I should hope for in my life. God's word, his truth could give you a roadmap to that. And the best way to know the roadmap 
His will for your life is you have to know his voice. You have to dive into the word, meditate on God's truth, have to break down the the truth and apply it to your situation, your circumstances. What does God say that, that you should do and practice what you're reading on a consistent basis in your life? Want to do what God says, then you simply have to get to know Jesus and and hear his voice. So when you actually know God's voice and know his plan, you realize that the Bible is helpful, can correct our errors. It's useful to prepare you for the journey that you're on and equip you to travel it well. Then as you read it, hopefully, hopefully it comes alive in your life. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged swords. It, it cuts between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our inmost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. So this is important to know and understand. You can read a passage in the stage of life where you are right this second, and it will mean something to you that if you read the same passage of Scripture 20 years from now down the road, is still able to apply powerfully to your situation in a different way. Because God's Word is alive. It's powerful and sharp enough to expose the desires that shape up our actions. Because each one of us have desires. Each one of us says, you know, this is what I want to be. This is who I hope to, to, to be as a person. And, and God's word can expose those desires. It can change and shape our actions. It can get into the fiber of who we are and change us. So the whole concept and idea of reading God's word daily is to know his voice, to know the, the areas by which God wants to direct our life. So where can I go? What can I do? As long as you stay within the overarching principles of God's truth, you can go anywhere. You can serve any way. God's hope for you is to give him glory, to worship him, and all the rest is like a destination that you can pick, and you can take several routes to do and fulfill that. As you get to know more and more who Jesus is, it changes our thoughts, attitudes, and desires. It changes us to be more and more like him. Well, what do you mean? That's a good question. So again, this is going to be a metaphor, and all metaphors break down at some point, but think about your job. When you first started to work at your job, you didn't have a clue of what you were supposed to do, what boss you needed to look out for, what employees you're going to work alongside. You you started to figure out. Somebody trained you and said, you know, you need to turn this report in at this time on this day, and so you, you started to come in. And you were trained on how to do your job. And pretty soon, uh, down the road, you aren't even thinking about the job anymore. You just know what you're supposed to do. You're you're just functioning in your job. And and then after a while, you become this important part of your corporation. People are coming to you for things. And now you you don't even have to think about stuff, but you are now an important part uh, of the company. And, And then a new person comes along. And you start to train them. You start to tell them, hey, here's some expectations. This is what you should do on the job. This is how, and we're not talking about your job. Do you get that? We're talking about the spiritual formation of your life. And much like your job, if you got into God's Word, sometimes the verbiage seems so foreign to you. It seems so different. But after a while, as you begin to read God's Word, you start to weed through that. And and pretty soon, as you practice more and more what God wants to say to you in your heart, as you start to look intently into what He says is right, true, and best, 
it becomes commonplace. And you don't have to even think about it anymore. You know what God says because you know his voice. You know the direction you should go because you're paying attention. You're going to stick with it and do the work. And pretty soon, you know what Jesus wants because you know what he says. You know how to operate because you've learned the job, how to function. You know what's best because you've learned who he is and what he expects. Hebrews says this, nothing in all creation is hidden or kept secret from God. He exposes all things and wants us to come before him in a way that is transparent or or naked, unashamed, right? And that sounds like, that sounds like really scary thought or concept. It's like, if God actually knew, if he could climb inside my brain and and see the thoughts that he does, he, he actually does know, and nothing surprises God. You haven't done anything that God was like, oh man, had I known you were going to do that. I mean, there's there's nothing that we do that surprises or is kept hidden from God. And once you begin to understand and put into practice God's best plan, when you begin to discipline yourself, his desire for your life becomes your desire. And there it is, right? That's pretty simple. That's all of it, right? Right there. And God's word is helpful. Thanks, Captain Obvious. (laughs) Yeah. God's word is useful. I didn't have to listen to 30 minutes of you talk up there to figure that out. It's powerful. It's alive. It can correct us and change us, mold us to be more and more like Christ. I know. Then why don't you put it into practice? Well, why don't you allow it to be useful for your situation? Well, I don't know how to read it. I need somebody to teach me. I get that. I don't have a lot of time in the day to kind of sit down and really investigate it. And, and, I, and we have a list a mile long as to why we can't or won't or we refuse to do. But if we know that it's useful, if we know that it's powerful, here, here's the deal. I have tons of apps on my phone that are useful. They're helpful. And I don't download them and they're like, well, that was great. <laughs> I use them because they're helpful. They help me do something quicker, faster, better, whatever it is. And the word of God is powerful. It's useful. God has good things that he wants for you to do and fulfill that give him glory, that allow you to worship him. So why don't we do it? You know, and I've, I've been doing this a long time. I've been a, a follower of Christ for a long time, and I've asked myself this uh, multiple occasions, and here's what I think the answer is. Honestly, we don't want to. We don't want to grow. It isn't so much that we think that God is this like cosmic killjoy and he just wants to kill my fun. Because honestly, if, if you could have peace in your life, I think that trumps happiness every time. I think if I can have sustainable peace in my life, that, that trumps happiness. But we just are not disciplined. And we just want a system that gives us maturity yesterday. Like I just want, I just want to be mature and And we want to be able to put the seed in the ground and tomorrow I have tomatoes, right? Except it doesn't work that way. If you've gardened it all, you know you put the seed in the ground and nothing happens for weeks. Like, what is, we did that and and then my wife goes and she pulls up weeds and she waters just this like soil. Like there's, there's nothing out there. She's pulling things and then this sprout comes up out of the ground. I'm like, hey, we did it. (laughs) But no, she pulls weeds, she waters, she tends to the garden, and pretty soon this plant kind of grows up out of the ground, and it, it flowers, and you're like, yeah, but that's not fruit. 
that's not what you're hunting. So you pull more weeds and you water the soil and eventually there's this like green bulb that replaces the flower. But that's not fruit either. So there's this whole process of growing and you pull weeds and you water the soil and you tend to it until you get this ripe, juicy tomato that you can eat and enjoy. And we're not talking about gardening. Talking about the fruit of your life the spiritual formation of your heart. And it's the same and it's true with God as well, that it doesn't happen overnight. You have to look intently into God's word. You have to nurture your heart. You have to see what does God want from me and you have to pull the weeds of your life. There's several things that we do on a regular basis that aren't productive. They're not helpful. They're actually pulling away the moisture, the nutrients from what God wants to do in your life. And you need to pull those things and get rid of them. And you need to water the soil on a consistent basis if you want to see fruit. If you want to have lasting formation. You may say, well, we're, we're, we're talking uh, the spiritual formation of your life. And I want to look like Christ. Me too. I, I do too. And it doesn't happen after overnight. So you have to chew on God's word. Dive into his teaching. You have to get to know his voice. And then daily reading God's word, studying, if you will, like a gardener, it begins to put fruit on your tree. So here's how you know you're producing fruit. You think, act, move, live, choose, decide what Christ does on a more and more consistent basis. You look like Christ. And so here, here's the deal. I'm, I'm not as smart as Drew is. I mean, we might look similar, but I'm, I'm definitely not as smart as him. And he reads way more than I do. But he, he gave us some resources to share with you that might help break down God's word and make it maybe to read some outside help might sometimes help give you uh, the ability to look at God's word in a different way. And so here's some books that if you want, uh, you can read. And if you want, you can take a picture of that and then that will help you remember later. But Celebration of Dis- Discipline is by Richard Foster. Spirit of the Disciplines by Dallas Willard, who's really smart man. Uh, Making of an Ordinary Saint, Nathan Foster. And here's one I, I really liked. It's Habits of a Child's Heart, Raising Your Kids with Spiritual Disciplines by Valerie uh, E. Hess. And, and here's another way that you can help fine-tune your heart. I read from multiple translations. So I don't know if you know this, but the Bible was not written in the Americas in English. It wasn't. It was written in uh, Greek, Aramaic, and in Hebrew. And uh, there are some wise people who have looked at God's word from the original language and have translated that into different versions, which is the same truth applied uh, to different ways to communicate that same truth. And Daniel often preaches out of the Holman Christian Standard Bible, which has most recently gone out of print but has been replaced by the CSB. And so if you want to follow along with Daniel when he's preaching, he most often preaches out of that version. I most often speak out of the New Living Translation. So if you've ever wondered, like, what you're saying up there doesn't necessarily what I, but that's why. So if you want to follow along when I preach, I'll most often hang to the New Living, and he does the Holman Christian Standard. But neither are more right or better or more accurate. They are different ways to communicate the same truth from a different version. And so this could be helpful for you. What version you read from may may help the Bible easier to understand or hear God's voice for your life. So there's several different translations. I memorized most of the scripture I've memorized was in the New International Version, the NIV. There's the English Standard Version, King James Version, the New King James Version. And all these are true words of God just given to us to make his word understandable for us. And so you may want to read from several different translations. 
There's commentaries, okay? Commentaries, if you like to study, if you like to really grapple with a text, if you want to dive into it, a commentary is a discussion from someone who knows the original language the Bible was written in, and they can explain the text out from their thoughts, their opinions, their point of view on what the the Scripture is saying. And that's helpful. There are study Bibles, which are simpler versions of commentaries that are given to you to be able to look at. Here is the Cliff Notes version of what this scripture is saying, which also normally has a cross-reference column down the middle. The cross-reference column is, this scripture is also useful in this area of the Bible. These two things are similar. There's similar concepts over here, and that cross-reference gives you a guide to all those similar scriptures. The internet has made studying interactive, quick, and capable to have all these resources at the click of a button or the swipe of our phones, and we simply have to be consistent and water the soil, do the work that it takes to see a harvest. So here's what I I want you to do, all right? Here's the application. Now, there are several. So you can get out your phones if you want and take multiple pictures because here are all the applications. Naturally, on a sermon about study and meditation, one of the most simplest applications is read your Bible. There you go. You're welcome. I know. Yeah. But today's application is this. Here's what I want you to do. I want to challenge you today to get into God's Word, all right? I want you to read, and it will take you probably 30 minutes, 15, 20 minutes uh, to read the Sermon on the Mount. It's found in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And this is a sermon that Jesus gives that pertains to everything in life. It talks about marriage and finances and raising your kids, relationships, ethics, and on and on. It's some really good stuff. And maybe, maybe you're like me and you enjoy memorizing God's Word. So here's what I'm doing. I'm going to try to memorize the Sermon on the Mount. It's 110 verses. I'm going to start today. So October 18th, you can say, Trevor, did you do it? You're all my accountability partners. There you go. So you can do that with me if you want. Another application, you're going to get the 30-day journal, and you're just going to be committed. You're going to do, you're going to set a timer on your phone, whatever it takes, to at the same time each day you're going to dive into this simple way to, to look into Scripture. There's a devotional thought, there's a simple text, and, and you're just going to do it. And for 30 days, you're going to be committed to that journey. And then here's the application for, for right now. For where you sit, you, you are here, and you want to go there. And so I want you to ask yourself this question right now. Why haven't I changed? Why can't I stay committed to a plan to see a harvest in my life? And maybe you can just see and be honest with yourself. Do I really want life to change? Do I really want my anger to go away? Do I want to be committed to my spouse? Do I want to raise these kids to know and follow Jesus? Then Maybe I need to know and follow Jesus myself. And you need to start understanding and listening to the voice that can lead you to truth, that can help point out what's wrong in your life, that can teach you what is right, true, and best. Because the Bible is useful. We just haven't allowed it to be effective. So right now, God, in this place, seated here with our set of circumstances, with the troubles that we have before us today, with the blessings that you've given us, with the skills and everything that we have, God, could you help me be consistent to trust that you are true and know that what's best for my life is what you have given me to guide me, train my ear to listen to your voice and my heart to follow your ways. 
Lord, we love you and we thank you for your son. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.